Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Amber Heard and the Johnny Depp trial, the libel trial. Now... What happened here was a few years ago, Amber Heard wrote a piece for the Washington Post in which she wrote, two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse. Now, it didn't actually mention Johnny Depp in the article, but his lawyer said it was about him. It was defamatory. And as consequence, sued Amber Heard. Now, it was a jury um, libel trial, and they found in favor of Johnny Depp um, I mean, we're talking $15 million. Um, I mean, it was also, there was one ruling in favour of Amber Heard that one of the agents of Johnny Depp had defamed her. Now, let's just have a quick look at a little bit of that verdict. All right, Mr. Foreperson, is this the verdict of the jury? Yes. All right, is it unanimous? Yes. Thank you, sir. In civil case number CL 2019-2911, Mr. Depp's claim against Ms. Heard. One, as to the statement appearing in the online op-ed entitled Amber Heard, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. In the Washington Post online edition, quote, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change, end quote. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes. Now, we've got the brilliant uh, writer, Lucia Osborne Crowley, whose tweets on this I've read all the way through the trial. Um, so it was just, you know, absolutely brilliant reporting of what was actually happening. I didn't watch the trial myself um so it was brilliant to be able to read uh somebody who watched it and went through all the evidence and is an all-round expert on the issue so lucia it's great to see you how are you doing i'm very well thank you for having me and i must say there's absolutely nothing i would rather be doing to avoid celebrating the queen's jubilee than talking to you, Bless <laughs> so you. Right, back, right back at you uh great to yeah to share and not celebrating the jubilee together so in terms of it let, let's just just, I guess, a quick kind of response, because in terms of, what you know, I found the coverage of this deeply disturbing and not least on social media. And what people have said now, what a lot of people concluded, well, look, the jury was presented with the evidence. They had to sit through it all and they found in favour of Johnny Depp. Therefore, he's absolved. And others, obviously, the argument then is actually Amber Heard is the abuser. What do you say to all of that? That's the that, that's the narrative now, which has become so dominant. What do you say to that? 
Well, I think this is really concerning because the problem with that narrative that we've seen in the media and, as you say, on social media in particular, is that it's lifted directly from the arguments made by Johnny Depp's lawyers. Um, and, and it doesn't actually comport with the evidence that the jury saw. So Johnny Depp's lawyers uh, strategically went into this case uh, set, instead of making an argument that was basically rather than looking at the evidence of abuse, because in a defamation trial, uh, in order for there to be defamation, the statement uh, that Amber Heard made about being a victim of, of abuse has to be false. But instead of specifically engaging with that, Johnny Depp's team right from the get go decided to kind of reverse the narrative and say, actually, I'm the victim here. Um, and, you know, she she Amber Heard was abusive to me. Um, and, you know, that's his lawyer's prerogative, um, but it, it was uh, kind of, uh, re it was repeated in the media without much scrutiny. And I think that's a real problem because her legal arguments and what she presented at trial certainly wasn't recreated in the media in the same way that his was. And that created a very, very one-sided conversation, which actually distracted to my mind, from the evidence and from the actual question for the jury, which was, was there ever a time in which Johnny Depp was abusive towards Amber Heard? That, even if there was legally, strictly legally, even if there was one instance of abuse, um, physical, psychological, sexual, anywhere on the spectrum of abuse, um, then legally the jury shouldn't have found in favour of Johnny Depp on all three counts. However, Johnny Depp's lawyers did a really great job of replacing that question uh, with this kind of a separate question about, you know, who is to blame in this relationship, uh, which is, you know, it, that, that's, that's not a legal question. And it's certainly not the legal question that we have here. And what, what we have as a result of that is a, a jury verdict that, if, you know, if you watch all the evidence that she presented is really hard to square with how much evidence she has that she was, in fact, the victim of abuse. Can you explain to people how it's possible that Johnny Depp lost his libel case against the Sun newspaper when they called him a wife beater? Um, and we now have another libel case with a completely conflicting outcome. So this is uh, something I really, really think we need to keep talking about because in all the coverage I saw um, of the US trial, there was scant discussion um, about the UK decision. And again, this is something that Johnny Depp's lawyers wanted from the beginning. Um, they wanted it not to be part of the conversation at all and largely succeeded. Uh, and that's a real problem because as you say, we now have two decisions, um, one from the UK High Court uh, which has more precedent, more weight in terms of precedent than the district court in Virginia. Um, and we have two completely conflicting outcomes. Here in the UK, we had a long trial. Uh, my colleagues at the Living News Agency that I work for were there every day. Um, Johnny Depp gave evidence, Amber Heard gave evidence. We heard, we heard evidence about exactly the same alleged instances of uh, abuse. And in that case, um, it was a bench trial, which means we have a judge making the decision rather than a jury, which is more common here for libel cases. Um, and that judge resoundingly said uh, that, that, that this was not defamation because, because it was true, because Amber Heard had proven to him that uh, Johnny Depp had abused her 12 times. So he said on 12 instances of physical abuse, 
um, those facts had been made out. Now we have a jury decision that goes completely the other way. And firstly, I think the, the main way to explain that is the judge versus jury question. So here in the US trial, we had uh, a, pre a presentation of the evidence that was really geared towards a jury decision because it was about these kind of competing narratives and this idea that uh, that Johnny Depp's lawyers were able to kind of reverse the victim and offender roles um, and, and get the jury to feel a lot of sympathy for him. And if you read the UK judgment, there was a bit of that in the UK, but the judge said, here's some research about domestic violence perpetrators. Here's why I don't you know, with all the evidence I've seen of Johnny Depp's misogynistic language, his physical abuse, his threats, here's why I don't believe what he's saying about being a victim. And, a, you know, a, a judge has to have a really kind of structured opinion about those things, whereas juries are very different. You know, they're unpredictable. We have no idea what it was that swayed them on this decision. And so, you know, I think having the bench trial versus the jury trial explains a lot of it. Um, also, uh, the trial took place in Virginia. Neither Johnny Depp nor Amber Heard live in Virginia or have ever lived in Virginia. The reason it was in Virginia, which um, Johnny Depp's lawyers have almost uh, admitted to in certain interviews, is that they have very different laws about defamation and it's easier to prove um, defamation uh, in Virginia. So the, the thing here is, uh, you know, we're talking about, what we're looking at is kind of a, a backlash against people speaking up about abuse, a backlash against Me Too. And we're looking at it take place in a legal arena. And there are a few things about this case that make that really worrying because to run essentially the same trial in two different jurisdictions is not something that is usually allowed. You know, I was really surprised when I read um, the statement of claim for this case because of how similar it is to the UK trial and the fact that it was allowed to go forward. That kind of signals to a lot of people around the world that if they have lots of money and a really good legal team, they can kind of keep shopping in different jurisdictions until they get the outcome that they want as well. And, and it, it's confusing because we've got two completely conflicting decisions. Um, and I'm sure you've seen this online, you know, people will just completely, you know, I've spoken to so many people who completely disregard the UK decision and have decided that the US decision is the only one that matters, but that's not how court judgment should work. You know, they are both relevant pieces of information about this issue. Can you explain why, just very clearly, uh, sorry, explain to us for people who are maybe don't know about it or confused, why evidence suggests from Johnny Depp's agents um, suggesting that he had apologised for physically, uh, allegedly abusing Amber Heard, why that wasn't admissible? Why couldn't that be used as evidence? Um, and also why the jury, I've forgotten the legal term, it's where they're basically they're contained so they don't, um, they're not exposed to media coverage um you'll know the term uh because what happened is the jury obviously <laughs> this was an exceptionally high profile trial and the coverage all over social media was very tilted in one direction there's no question about that and you know I, i'd be you know did the jury then engage or see any of that so those two issues why wasn't that evidence why wasn't it, it admissible that those that alleged you know what johnny depp had allegedly said through agents and why, why weren't the jury prevented, as in other trials, from engaging with the media and so on? 
So these are two of the most important questions, I think. And um, to be honest, I think these will be the two questions uh, that end up on appeal. So Amber Heard is appealing this verdict. Um, and these are the legal things that she's challenging. Um, and I think rightly so. I'm, I'm very confused by some of the judicial decisions that were made in this case. Uh, so to take your first question, um, in terms of the evidence that the US jury didn't see, of which there was a lot. So in particular, there was contemporaneous medical records of Amber Heard reporting um, incidences of abuse, of abuse to her therapist um, uh, at the time when it happened, dating back to you know the early 2010s at the beginning of their relationship. And then in particular, um, there's a text uh, from Johnny Depp to uh, his personal assistant at the time. Um, sorry, uh, uh, the other way around, from, from his personal assistant to Johnny Depp, um, saying that he had to tell Johnny Depp that in a, in a kind of um, drug-induced blackout the night before, he had kicked Amber Heard. And the text says, he was devastated when I told him um, that he'd kicked you and he's very sorry. So this is important because a huge part of this trial, um, both in Amber Heard's testimony and in the expert testimony that we heard, was about the fact that um, Johnny Depp's substance abuse issues meant that he had several days at a time when he couldn't necessarily remember what had happened. So one of the things that Amber had said was, you know, it's I'm not even necessarily saying that that he's getting up here and saying this never happened and he's deliberately lying. I'm saying he doesn't remember. And, and I do. Um, and this text is really important to that argument, right? Because it's a contemporaneous piece of documentary evidence with someone uh, close to Johnny Depp confirming that he didn't remember and also in, implicitly confirming that this act of, of physical violence happened and that Johnny Depp was, was sorry about it. So the jury didn't see that text. And that's because um, this judge took a very, very, very strict approach to the rules, um, the hearsay rules of evidence. Um, and I have to look into this a bit more because I've never come across this before. I've, ne I've in all of my years covering courts, I've never seen an approach this strict. I think there are some things that were going on behind the scenes about disclosure of evidence when those texts were handed over, um, that perhaps the judge meant that uh, meant that the judge was unable to verify them in time for the trial. I'm not sure about that, um, but you know, it's very surprising. It's very, very surprising, and I think that those texts. Uh, really could have led to a different outcome as well as the medical records. Um, and the second question about the jury not being sequestered, uh, it, it baffles me, honestly, um, because uh, sequestering a jury, as you say, is, is when you basically uh, separate them from society for the duration of a trial. So you put them in a hotel, you make sure that they're not communicating with people outside of the jury. Um, it does happen less and less, but this, this is the archetypal trial where you would expect the jury to be sequestered and that's because as we've seen on the outside this turned into a complete circus um in terms of the hashtag justice for johnny depp um gangs on the internet um and also part of amber heard's 100 million dollar counterclaim was an accusation that johnny depp had led a paid coordinated social media campaign against her including these hashtags, Justice for Johnny Depp, hashtag Amber Heard is a psychopath, those kinds of things. But he paid bots um, and fake accounts to kind of spread this information. So that's a very serious allegation. If you have an allegation that that kind of nefarious activity is going on uh, in in, to try and sway the conversation online, it's much more important to sequester the jury. As well as that, you know, so the jury is instructed not to look at social media or do any outside research. 
you know, it still happens. Juries still do this. We know they still do this. I have no idea if this jury did, but it's possible. But even if they didn't, the thing that, you know, I think this really epitomizes what went wrong here. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So there were TikTok videos making fun of Amber Heard's um, sexual assault allegations against Johnny Depp. She alleged that, that um, he assaulted her with a vodka bottle. Um, and there were all these videos online mocking that allegation. But even if the jury didn't you know, find those online, people turned up in real life in Virginia and acted them out for her while she walked into yeah. the courtroom Be- because they knew that, you know, she probably wasn't looking online, but they really wanted to make sure that she saw it. And, you know, it's possible that the jury saw that as well. So, you know, I feel like this, case, you know, we have to let go of the, this idea that the way this case, the way cases are being talked about on social media doesn't spill over into the actual justice system. Because the fact that people took time out of their day to stand outside court and act out these vicious, nasty, you know, mocking videos of her, just shows that, you know, this jury should 100% have been sequestered. And, it, you know, it, it, it's hard to see this verdict as not contaminated by what was happening on social media for this entire trial. I should also know, and I should apologise for the language here, but what Johnny Depp wrote in text messages about Amber Heard, I will fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she's dead. Mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, floppy fish market. Just lurid misogyny really grotesque misogyny in an objective sense. Obviously, I don't think anyone rational could could listen to that and think it's anything other than extreme misogyny. I mean, in terms of the narrative, again, that's come out, and I just want to link this, I guess, the final part, just to Me Too and, I suppose, the backlash against what, I suppose, was a period in which um, there was at least a, a consensus that well, not a consensus, but a, a broader acceptance that women should be believed if they speak out about male violence that they have endured. And on the basis that from every level of society, women, um, you know, often in a, on a daily basis have to suffer these experiences and get no redress, no accountability, nothing. And that there was finally a moment when that could change. And so in terms of this narrative now, at best people will say, well, actually, maybe they both abused each other. And they'll say, you know, in terms of how Amber Heard, Amber Heard behaved herself. So I'm just interested in that because obviously 
you know, I mean, this idea that someone in this context, you know, kind of has to, that perfection has to be obtained if if they're to be believed or accepted. So just interested in that kind of the focus on a lot of Amber Heard's behavior and this idea, well, actually, maybe they both abused each other. That's obviously not what was reflected in, 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 in the in, in the narrative though um but how this how that then links to the backlash against the me too movement absolutely so this i think is another one of the central questions that um we really will need to pay attention to over the coming months and years because this is going to keep coming up especially with this you know incredibly high profile precedent and i think the thing that happened here is that uh the public were really ready um, to kind of uh, take delight in the idea that an accuser has been shown to be lying and therefore that, you know, Me Too has gone too far and, you know, all of those arguments. Um, but again, it, you know, it's really hard to square that with the evidence that was presented in this trial because, you know, just to name a few things, she had 11 witnesses who saw her with bruises. She had a makeup artist who testified that she covered up bruises. Um, she had a, a witness who saw Johnny Depp hit her firsthand. You know, this is the kind of evidence that most survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence do not have. She actually had much more um, documentary and firsthand uh, evidence than most victims are able to have. And she's still uh, lost. So it tells us something uh, about this, what this backlash will demand of uh, victims who come forward publicly and it's setting the bar much higher uh, than I ever would have expected personally um, in terms of how much evidence a victim has to have in order to prove that this that abuse happened and secondly as you say you know there's a substitution going on what this trial should have been about is can she substantiate the allegations that she made in the Washington Post unless those 11 people lied through the teeth and were all part of a huge coordinated hoax, you know, I think she did prove that at least one instance of abuse happened. But yeah. but th that question was substituted for the question of does she deserve, does she, you know, does she deserve to be someone who is able to speak out about this kind of thing? And that's where, again, Johnny Depp's team, you know, brought in all this evidence about her character and about other things that she's done hoping that the jury would focus more on that question, this idea of does she deserve to be held up as a victim? And that is a problem because firstly, that's not a legal question. That, you know, that shouldn't be a question in a, in a court of law. And secondly, it goes to myths about domestic violence and sexual violence that I really thought we had overcome. And that is this idea that in order to be, in order to have the right to be a victim, um, you you have to be perfect in in other ways, and you have to conduct yourself in in ways that are beyond reproach. So you know we saw all this evidence about things that she's done. You know I'm sure you've heard about this idea that she said that she would uh, donate all of her divorce um, settlement to charity, and she hasn't done that yet. People really seized on that, right? And it's, you know, in it, when you're looking at the law, that actually doesn't matter to whether or not she's a victim of abuse. And it was entered into evidence in order to try and get the jury to say, this is not a good enough person. So we're not gonna give her the right to speak publicly about this. And that's what the backlash is, I think. That's what we're gonna see is, is people trying to attack the credibility of victims outside of the evidence of abuse 
in order to tap into this idea in society that you know victims have to be perfect or victims have to be kind of likable um in order to be able to to speak out and you know that really worries me because again that's that's it's a myth it's a myth about surviving abuse uh that i really thought that we'd kind of gotten past and this trial shows that we absolutely haven't and that so many people were just waiting to latch onto this argument that you know she's an imperfect victim just finally the ramifications of this in terms of what it means for women because if we look just at britain alone um it's estimated that 1.4 million women um are victims survivors of domestic abuse every year and obviously that's not going into sexual assault i think it's about 400,000 sexual assaults against women a year and around 85 to 90,000 women raped a year. Um, now, obviously, I mean, it's been made, the argument's been made that if, you, if we were to talk about, and obviously I'm separating this from from what, from, from the gen, from this trial, but just in terms of, you know, what, what, again, whatever people think about the verdict, the coverage of it and the conclusions being drawn from it, when it comes to women speaking out and being believed, where does this now leave that? Where does it leave it in a country where, I mean, people say rape is essentially decriminalized because the vast majority of men who commit rape, there's, there's no justice at, at all, um, let alone sexual assaults or all forms of any form of sexual harassment. So where does this leave us? What's your concerns about, again, whatever anyone thinks about this particular trial, what the ramifications will be going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the ramifications of this will be huge, and and even at this point, hard hard to quantify. Uh, you know, we like I I think it's hard to underestimate the impact that this will have. I've, for example, already spoken to a number of women who, since the verdict came down last week, have received notifications that their abusers are suing them for defamation. I've spoken to caseworkers who have clients calling them up now on on a daily basis saying. Uh, they're now being sued for defamation and asked to prove uh, to prove again their abuse uh, in court. So you know this is going to have a trickle down effect uh, on survivors everywhere. And I think um, you know what you said about putting this in the context of rape being decriminalised certainly in this country, and the evidence shows you know that this is happening in the US as well. And you know I think what's important to remember is that. Uh, that the, the Me Too movement and speaking out about abuse was a response to the fact that the criminal justice system was completely failing to address it. So um, we have fewer and fewer uh, prosecutions and convictions in terms of both domestic violence and sexual assault. So the Me Too movement was saying, okay, you know, we can't change the justice system. Hopefully, eventually it will change. We as individuals, you know, we can't change the fact that uh, the justice system doesn't take these crimes seriously. So if we speak publicly about it, that that is one way uh, to kind of achieve some sort of justice for ourselves. What this kind of movement of, of strategically using defamation lawsuits to silence victims who choose to do that based on the fact that they don't have mountains of evidence to prove it, even though, as I said, I, I believe Amber Heard did, um, you know, that shows that not only will the criminal justice system not kind of acknowledge these crimes, but this is a way for the legal system to be used to shut down, you know, the other form of justice that the Me Too movement wanted, which was being able to speak freely about the things that have happened to us. So, 
you know, Marilyn Manson, for example, has filed um, a huge defamation suit against Evan Rachel Wood. And we have people online who have been using the Justice for Johnny Depp hashtag who've now moved over into the Justice for Marilyn Manson camp. So there's a group of people who've been mobilised into this movement that, that is about, you know, trying to shut down people who are speaking publicly about abuse. Um, and those people are now, you know, moving on to backing Marilyn Manson. Uh, and that should be really concerning to us because we had this kind of one section of society where where women could speak about abuse and it's we're now seeing that even that is no longer being tolerated and that the legal system is being used to shut that down as well. And, you know, the more and more defamation suits we see like this, the more concerning it will be. And, you know, I think this has been coming for a long time this kind of backlash against people being able to tell their stories, especially when you think about the fact that, as you said at the beginning, Johnny Depp was not named in this article. There were no specific allegations in this article. Uh, it was very broad. It was very, um, it was worded in a way that was intended to avoid exactly this outcome. And yet, you know, this is what's happened. So uh, it, it's, it, it will have a chilling effect on people being able to speak publicly about abuse and, and it already is. And, you know, I think that's, that really concerns me. Lucia, that was absolutely brilliant. So detailed and thorough and really just went into the weeds. I think it's so important to talk about the potential consequences and, and, and what this means. And I think it's very important as well to have an alternative to the narrative that obviously now has become pretty dominant in the aftermath. But honestly, it's a, it's a grim thing to have to talk about, but you did it uh, so wonderfully. So we're, we're so lucky to have you all over again. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash Owen Jones 84. Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.